Welcome to Emotional Detox. My name is Sherrianna, and I'm so grateful that you are here today. And I want to remind you guys to head over to SherriannaBoyle.com when you get a chance because I've got a lot of new stuff coming up. I've got a self-care course and some meditations. And I'm also super excited about launching Cleanse Yoga, which is fitness and yoga and emotional detox all in one in 60 minutes. It's like therapy and fitness real quick. So you're going to love it. And I hope that you go over to SherryAnnaBoyle.com and you subscribe there so you can get more details on that. And today I have a very special guest. I'm really, really excited to introduce you to her. Her name is Tracy Rubel, and she's a relationship expert. She has been working with individuals and couples for over 16 years in California and has been featured in Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, ABC, CBS, and NPR. She's currently working on her first book on intimacy at home and at work. Tracy also founded and leads a global human connection project called Sidewalk Talk, where over 7,000 listeners sit on sidewalks in over 92 locations across 15 countries, offering to listen about anything and heal our lonely and divided world. Sidewalk Talk was recently featured in Oprah Magazine. Tracy? Welcome to Emotional Detox. Thank you, Shariana. I first of all want to say that I'm calling, I'm connecting with you from Germany. And I know because everyone's on the internet right now, if we have any sound bobbles, I apologize because listening is my thing. And the fact that we might have connection issues makes me sad, but wanted to apologize for that up front. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're just so grateful to have you. And you just have so much experience. So today's topic, guys, is we're really going to be focusing on how listening can alter our well-being. So Tracy, how did you hone in on this, the skill of listening? So if you would have asked me this question four years ago, when I first started Sidewalk Talk, I would have had a different answer. But I've learned through my own growth work, what the real root reasons were behind me starting this project. And some of them are personal deeply personal to me. Mm -hmm. Some of them are totally social, right? Things that I was seeing in my community in San Francisco and, uh, you know, others are psychological. So I'll just cover the three of them quickly. Personally, I grew up in a house where there were six marriages. So I joke with the couples that I work with that I've been a couples therapist since I was four. And listening was not a skill that my family did well. And so for me, I've always been interested in how to help people feel like they matter and they belong because I have that real lived experience. So I have a deep empathy for other people that might not feel heard or might feel like an outsider. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. That transcends socially and politically. When we start arguing over politics or we start harming each other or we pass policies that leave people out, that also impacts me. And so there was a uptick in gun violence in the United States that had me wanting to raise my hands, go, what's going on here? Why are we so mm-hmm. awful to each other? Right. Uh Yeah. And then the last piece was simply my psychological work. The clinical work that I was doing with couples really informed me because I'd watch what would happen when somebody wouldn't just, you know, there's always that first phase when you teach a couple active listening skills, but then there's that second phase when they can really embody it and they're doing way more than using it as a technique, but they genuinely mean it. Uh You just watch everything in them calm down and get right again. Uh And so it was those three things that really motivated me to 
you know, experimentally sit on a sidewalk with my therapist chair one time. And then, of course, the press gets hold of it and it turned into a movement. No way. Yeah. I was going to do it one time. (laughs) (laughs) So you you were on the sidewalk. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the way that we... So some people think that we just did it in a scrappy way. It's scrappy in terms of we didn't have a business plan or a bunch of... We didn't have a website when we started doing this, but we did get... 27 therapist colleagues of mine in the room. And we did plan for a protocol because we thought, well, maybe somebody is a danger to themselves. Maybe they're depressed or maybe Mm -hmm. someone's a danger to other people. Or how would we handle if somebody didn't want us sitting on the sidewalk? And so we came up with a whole plan and protocol. And there were 27 other therapists that went out with me on the same day on how we were going to structure it. We set up chairs and there was a very specific thought process that went into setting up chairs on the sidewalk. Some people say, why not just stand up and hold a sign? Mm-hmm. We actually liked the disruptive quality, pushing hmm. to and fro on sidewalks. And it's a little bit of a statement that said, hey, maybe we should slow down and value each other. Mm. Hmm. And so it, it provokes a little bit to see a bunch of camping chairs on a sidewalk. And people go, what is going on here? Because it's yeah. not the association that people have. It was really profound because I remember the first day that we were talking, the first thing that was surprising is how many people just thought we were crazy and thought yeah. we were going to try to sell them something when they want us to make a donation. And so that's really created a humility in me. I'm like, wow, okay, people aren't going to be super pleased by this, right? Yeah. So this yeah. can have to be a real act of service. The second piece, when people did come up were they going to actually share? And was it going to be tragic and really hard? And what really surprised me is sometimes people stop and share really good news, not just the hard stuff. Ooh, now, okay, I got to get the framework for this. So Tracy, I'm picturing there's 27 therapists. Are you all in the same block? Are you spread out? What does that look like? Yeah, good question. So that first event, we actually sat in 13 different locations all across San Francisco at the same time. The one thing that was really sweet about it is we had some folks that had been down near the ferry building and they'd walked a mile and they said, oh, we just saw your compatriots down the way listening, right? So <laughs> um, there were people that were driving around because we were in thoroughfares that said, oh, we, we just saw some other listeners. And that was that was pretty neat. Now we're, we're spread apart. We actually have six different chapter leaders in the city of San Francisco and they all have a street corner that they kind of own. And this they is the coolest there. thing I've ever heard, honestly. This oh, is that's so sweet. I, I really, I, this is awesome. So you're all spread out and you're, you pop a chair and down. And do people have to ask you what you're doing? Do you have a sign? And you, you're just there to listen. That's all you're doing, right? They're just yeah. coming up to you. Okay. Yeah. And we've gotten better over the years at kind of figuring out how to make people feel comfortable to recognize that we're not with a religious organization or a political party. We've (laughs) altered our signage to make it look a little more community-led and scrappy. That tends to work better. And um, when you've been sitting in the same city for several years and in the same location, like I had been in San Francisco, people knew us at that point. So they didn't have so many questions anymore. In fact, we had some people that would be repeat customers and they'd be excited when we were out there and they wouldn't even have to be asked. They'd just come plop in the chair. <laughs> and so how long do you sit out there for? 
So two to three hours, it's intense because you're not only listening really deeply to the stranger, but you've got all the city noise around and it is very tiring to listen in that context. So mm-hmm. we, we advise folks, if there's a line of people waiting, we, we usually limit the conversations to 10 minutes. But mm-hmm. if there's no line, then it's entirely up to the discretion of the listener to listen until they feel like the conversations come to wow. a close. So this has been going on for how long now? Since 2015. Wow. Okay. So since 2015, and tell us what you've learned. So the first thing is is primarily about myself in relationship. And, you know, I know you're a specialist in anxiety, and I'm someone that has been a, a longtime social anxiety sufferer, even though I compensate for it by being kind of extroverted. I don't always know that my extroversion is authentic. Sometimes it's just an, a coping skill or a tool for anxiety. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is that when you show up with this intentional kind of heart-centered listening, It's the best anxiety reliever. Mm. I didn't realize that when you treat listening as a practice, Mm -hmm. much like mindfulness is a practice, or much like some of your detox work is a practice, this kind of listening actually starts to make you feel less anxious socially. Mm. But it also helps other people feel less anxious around you too when you listen this way. Wow. Yeah. And did you find, Tracy, that there was specific skills for listening? Can you give us any tips on that? Yeah. Most folks have heard about active listening, about taking a pause and reflecting back what the speaker has said, validating your speaker, asking open-ended questions. We've taken it a step further and we've come up with a listening model because I felt like if you make something too much of a technique, and I know that you you teach yoga work and I, I just love that you do that because I sometimes feel like techniques can get really heady and they leave out the body, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so our model is called HERE. And it stands for honor, embody, assumptions check, and respond. Mm -hmm. And honor is an intentional state where you say, I am deeply going to show up with an intention to Mm -hmm. honor this other person and myself at the same time. That changes the entire way that you use active listening techniques. Mm -hmm. Second, I'm going to be in touch with my body and my nervous system. I'm going to be tracking my breath. I'm going to be tracking muscle. I'm going to be tracking when maybe I'm taking on too many of these people's emotions because maybe I'm not fully holding my own energetic container, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also then going to work with the assumptions that I make about myself and other people in that moment and normalize them. Because I think there's a lot where we shame ourselves, but the brain just has bias. But how beautiful to sit on a sidewalk and listen to so many different kinds of people to begin to develop a really empathic, unbiased brain or learn how to at least catch yourself in the act of making an assumption and setting it aside. And so we tell listeners, you're going to make assumptions. And I have made some big ones about people, whether it's based on their gender or their age or their race or their income. I assumed all kinds of things about them because that's what my brain wanted to do. But when you develop a practice for setting those assumptions aside, you get to deepen into a deeper connection with this person, mm. satisfying and gratifying. And then respond is, is really cultivating 
all the active listening skills, reflecting back, asking open-ended questions, validating. But the H-E-A-R are all, all come together to sort of create a much deeper intentional embodied practice of listening. Wow. I love it. And do you find, Tracy, being on a sidewalk as opposed to in an office environment has an impact? Yes, because you know what? There is a power differential when we're in a role as a therapist or a healer or a teacher or a coach. Mm -hmm. And so this is a bit of a social experiment, which says that compassion, this is a Pema Chodron quote, compassion happens between equals. And so here, there is no sick person and there is no healthy person. There are two mm -hmm. humans that have an ocean of health and an ocean of illness, an ocean of light and an ocean of shadow. And that here we can just honor each other deeply in that mm -hmm. reality. And a mm -hmm. sidewalk is that one place in our communities where it doesn't matter how much money you make or how little money you make or who you are, you kind of can't pay someone to walk across the sidewalk for you. You still got to do it to get where you need to go. Mm. So it's a, it's a place of equality. Wow. Really amazing. So the first couple steps are having that intention and then really learning to tune into yourself. And so you can see where this is very mutual, this experience that the listener is gaining quite a bit. And, you know, years ago, Tracy, my very first book was called Powered by Me and I self-published it. And the whole premise was when I decided to take a leave of absence from the schools. And when I took that leave, I started writing and I said to myself, okay, at the time I thought I was going back to the schools. And I said, okay, when I go back, how am I going to do things differently? Mm. And it was really about a mindset that powered by me means you can have a million, million tools, right? But yes. what powers the tools? And it's our awareness. Mm -hmm. And I love your method because it, it's so simple. And sometimes we have almost, there's so many things that we can try, but that basic listening skill and what you're saying is what you're powering is the listening with your own self-awareness. Is that correct? Yes. And I love that you're catching on to something here too. It's a practice, much like yoga is a practice or meditation is a practice, or exercising is a practice that you get better at if you dedicate time to it. And listening is the same way, and it's a pleasurable practice. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about couples because you specialize in that work. Mm -hmm. And this is a time where people are financially very nervous. Mm -hmm. They're out of work. Some people are not used to being around each other, let's face it, mm -hmm. for as much as they're around each other right now. And I actually, right before I got on the call with you, I got an email from someone letting me know that they need support because their relationship just ended. And they still very much love the person, but it's just not working out. And it's really unfortunate to see because there are so many wonderful tools that can help people. So what, what is your advice during this time period for couples who are facing financial hardship and high levels of stress? Yeah. Well, I guess that much like the HERE model, where I always talk about intention... I'm just really a big fan of intentionality when it comes to our relationship. I do like to have couples back up when they hit a roadblock and go, okay, we've got a problem here. And what is our intention? What is the end point? The couple needs to agree on a North Star, whether it's 
yeah, we need to have this much money in the bank by this date or mm-hmm. whether we need to reduce our costs. And then they can start backing into how they do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do like to talk with couples about logistics and circumstances, not just the emotional stuff, because it's really amazing how all that logistical stuff creates anxiety and depression. And if there are any attachment issues, you put a couple in a pressure cooker, make them afraid, make them worried, and we're going to rely on our most primitive psychological defenses, meaning the least skillful parts of ourselves are going to come forward. Mm-hmm. I do like to invite couples, and it's sometimes relieving too, because they might be embroiled in the emotions But sometimes starting with some things that feel kind of easy to tackle because they're kind of concrete, they're kind Mm -hmm. of intellectual, gives them a little bit of a foundation from then they can do the emotional stuff. But I do think that there has to be the shared North Star. What the heck are we building here together? Or what the Mm -hmm. heck are we solving here together? And it makes couples feel way more normal too. They're like, oh, you mean we're not that screwed up? Like, no, not Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, our society seems to tell this story about love, that we're supposed to fall in love and everything just kind of falls into place. And so we shouldn't have to do a heck of a lot of planning around it. And I just, it makes me feel sad because I have couples come in to see me that feel so badly about themselves. And I say, you know what? You guys are actually, you've got a lot more going well for you than you're aware of. Mm -hmm. Right. And I try to also point that out to couples when I see them and give them lots of props for the things that they are doing well that they're not seeing because that negativity bias in the brain kind of only wants us to see the bad stuff. Right. Mm hmm. Wow. So what would you advise for a couple that you say, what is, what is our intention? What is our end point to back up a little bit? What's your, you call it intentionality. And so can you just give a concrete example of that? Well, I'll just use my own marriage for an example. How's that? I've been married for 17 years and we're all stuck in the house right now. So I've got um, a 10 year old and a 12 year old. And what we have done with this time is, for example, we've agreed who's cooking dinner which nights. So Mm. we've set that up. Otherwise, it can create some, why aren't you doing your part? How come you're not taking care of me? Right? Mm, Yeah. We've agreed on a, a not, I'm not a rigid routine person. My husband is, has a greater need for routine. So we've come up with that middle ground of a loose routine. One of my younger sons has a hard time self-organizing. So we made an agreement. So he goes upstairs. My husband downloads his homework because it's in German. We're in Germany right now. My husband translates it for me, prints it out. And then I set up his books at the kitchen table and I work from the kitchen table next to my son. And I also made an agreement with him. I said, okay, you have to work in 40 minute sprints. And after each 40 minutes, he gets a little treat. It's a psychological principle called the pre-mac principle. I'm trying to wire his brain towards rewards so that he actually Mm -hmm. will sit still and do his work. There you go. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, we know that I'm going to take them out for a walk because we get to get out and get exercise once a day because we're dealing with some, you know, quarantine stuff right now. All of this helps. And then and then after dinner, we usually do either a family movie or a board game. You, you need to understand that I am not this kind of mom. I'm not this, this holly hobby. I really am not. But honestly, having this kind of structure during this time when we're all locked in the house really heads off a lot of problems of the past because everybody knows their role and nobody feels unfairly taken advantage of. Mm, I love that. And it really is a, t- a time of simplifying. And we actually have a Monopoly game 
thing going on over here. And <laughs> <laughs> so I can, did you win? <laughs> not yet. You know, we, we've got lots of time, so there's no rush here, but it's been fun. And it really takes your mind off what's going on. And we actually have dinner and then we start our monopoly and the girls have been loving it. I have three daughters and I think it's been really helpful. Again, a little bit of structure there for everyone. This is what we do after dinner. We don't all retreat to our own rooms or go to our phones and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of communication, a lot of dialogue during those games. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is amazing. So when you talk about what you're saying is... What people can do as far as intention is, okay, who's cooking dinner and come up with some common ground of what people need right now. And then how do you practice listening, Tracy? Do you have a regular practice? And how do you nurture that skill in yourself? Well, I still am listening with Sidewalk Talk right now. We've moved everything online. I just went for a jog with my son before our conversation and he's 12. And for me, it's become, they also know that I run this listening project. So let me tell you, they love calling me out when I'm a terrible listener. They Uh think it's super fun. (laughs) Become a family ethic. And so the one thing the boys do know, I have two sons that that fight a lot. Mm -hmm. And for them... They know that if they're not able to reach agreement on their own, that we will have a listening circle. Ah. So we do have listening circles in my house where we sit down and I help them do reflective listening with their sibling. And they hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like torture, but, but I love it, of course. Yeah, they hate it. But let me tell you something. I overheard my 12-year-old on the phone with one of his friends the other day, Mm -hmm. and he did reflective listening like we do in the listening circle. So maybe sometimes I just have to get them to do the things they hate, like us parents do, because it's good for them. And honestly, there are times where their differences are so far apart, and this happens with couples too. There are couples that get together where they have such different styles. One of them likes a lot of independence, and the other wants a lot more closeness. The other wants to be out more. The other wants to be in more. Mm. And those differences cannot be bridged. You cannot just change somebody. And so then how do you actually make those bridges by deeply honoring those differences through listening. Mm. Now I'm thinking of the listener and I'm thinking of the person that's thinking to themselves, well, great. I'm going to do all this listening for other people, but when is it my turn? (laughs) Right. When do I get listened to? Do you find that by teaching one person the skill that it will cross over, that they eventually catch on kind of thing? Or does it have to be a couple? Well, first of all, I do not believe therapy is the end all message for growth. I think there are lots of ways to grow. And that's partly why I like teaching people about listening, because I don't want everyone to have to come to therapy every time they want to grow. I do think sometimes there has to be a person that takes their motivation and goes first. And that's the hardest part that comes up when I am doing couples therapy is there's a lot of scorekeeping. Well, I'm not going to make any changes. My partner's not making any changes. And I have to say, look, you're the only person that you have control over. And it's not about being a good person. It's about you showing up in your life from a place of personal integrity. And good listening is a stance of personal integrity. Now, that being said, I think there are a lot of people that give too much listening. Sometimes. Mm. 
I think sometimes we need to say, hey, I want to be heard. And that comes back to that intention setting. This isn't about becoming massively codependent and saying, gee, let me just listen to all your problems whenever you need. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Remember when Mm -hmm. I said embody, part of that embodiment piece in here is knowing when you have a boundary and saying, hey, I'm I'm full. I'm done here. And so for some couples... They've instituted a, a, a clock where they actually take turns. I have some couples that have, are such high conflict. I'm like, don't do it on the same day. One of you gets to be the listener on Tuesday and mm-hmm. the other one's going to be the listener on Wednesday. Because mm-hmm. if they listen to each other on the same day, all they do is respond to everything that their partner said in their, in their talking time. So timekeeping can be a great thing to set up. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you slip into one person listening too much, I think that's a great boundary to ask for. Again, that's mm-hmm. part of the intention setting. Gotcha. Oh, I like that. So those of you, did you hear that? That you can set a time on it and you can make that part of your intention that one person listens for 10 minutes and then the other person listens for five or 10 minutes. That's really very, very helpful. Wow. And it reminds me a little bit of emotional detox because what I teach people is knowing when to detox. Mm. Like you said, know when you're kind of doing all the listening and when, when to set that boundary. And also, when do you know when to detox? Because sometimes we do. Sometimes we just try to be polite or we're mm-hmm. trying to do the right thing. And we keep ourselves in situations which eventually escalate anxiety. And it's perfectly okay to take a little pause and take care of yourself. That's right. And I think that's part of good listening. Because let's be frank, are you really listening if you're emotionally flooded? Yeah. You're pretending. And that's different. That's not listening. So the embodiment part of here that we teach and go into in depth in the training is all about boundaries. Mm. Oh, that sounds nice. Yep. So how can people get... So here's what I love. So... You can yeah. go to anybody. This is for anybody. So we typically say 16 and older. We have some sidewalk talk volunteers that have gone as young as 13, but these were pretty astute 13-year-olds sure. um, that came to my San Francisco chapter. But it's it's pretty easy. It's, a, it's an NGO. So we have a couple paid operations people, but I volunteer my time. I'm not paid. Everyone sort of in the leadership community is not paid. It's a community yeah. organization just because we believe in the power of us building community that knows how to show up this way. So you can literally go to the sidewalk-talk.org website. We ask everyone for a sliding scale contribution to the organization to access the training. So it's as little as five bucks and some people donate whatever, a hundred bucks. It's just depending on what your needs are. And then you drop into an online training and you drop into a group in your local community where you can go out on the street and listen, or you can do some online listening together. And it's really nice if you're new to an area because it's a great way to meet some friends too that are nice people. This is fabulous. And so anybody can get involved. They can become one of your listeners. You're also going to get some training, which is great. And tell us real quick before we end, I want to know how has this impacted your community? I fundamentally believe that we've learned to widen our embrace to people that are different. So mm-hmm. what that means is a community that we may not have been exposed to suddenly we're exposed to. So we're more comfortable saying, hey, I'm different just going and ordering a sandwich. Hey, how are you? How's your day? I just see everyone Mm. really, really, really as my 
family, as my community. And so I say hi differently. And I, and that's the report that I've gotten from all the listeners in my local listening chapters. They say, yeah, I'm different. Even just, you know, when I walk into work and I see the front desk person, they're the security guard in the building. I'm just so much more intentional in the way I show up with other humans. It doesn't mean we're dropping into these deep conversations. We just, we don't commodify people anymore. We actually see people when we're walking down the street. And that's been the biggest impact on the community. And I think, oh, my God, what would happen if we were all doing that? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool ripple effect. That, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on. And I know that you're working on your book. And I invite you when you do have your book up out in the world, I'd love you to come back and share because I imagine there's going to be some really great stuff in there. And in the meantime, everybody can check Tracy out at sidewalk-talk.org. And so Tracy, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Ariana. And I'm so excited about your work as well and and to get to know more about you and, and your work as well. So thank you for just this connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to remind my listeners out there that your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. Until next time, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Emotional Detox live group coaching sessions and all of Sherrianna's books, go to sherriannaboyle.com.